Lord, we praise you and we magnify you here tonight. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come and worship you. We magnify you here. In Jesus' name we pray. Lord, we worship you. Thank you, Lord. Um, While you're standing, I'll go ahead and uh, take my text from the book of Luke, chapter 16 and verse 10. Book of Luke, chapter 16, and verse 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. So, that's it. One verse for now. If I had a title, it would be God uses the little things, or little things matter, or something about little things. You get the idea, right? Um, you may be seated. So as I said earlier, uh, I talked to Brother Grant this afternoon. He called me like about 3 o'clock this afternoon and asked me if I could possibly teach tonight. So you're getting the best of the best the last-minute Plan B pocketbook sermon, right? The one that I had for one one service, I don't know, probably like three years ago, and I never preached, and it's been sitting in my binder this whole time just for this occasion because I know how Brother Grant is sometimes. But he was at the doctor when he called me, or he had just got home from the doctor or whatever, but from what I understand, he just thought he was getting an examination, and they decided to go ahead and... Uh, use whatever chemical stuff they use to remove those spots and his face was on fire he said so he would not be here tonight so please keep him in your prayers Um, but I know that I've I've talked with people and worked with people who've had that done and it's not a pleasant process not something I ever want to have to go through Um, but uh, he is he was he was expecting to teach tonight so that being said Um, I also want to read from the book of Acts, chapter 20, starting in verse 7. Acts, chapter 20, and verse 7. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. And there sat in the window a certain young man named, however you want to say it, Eutychus, is how I've always heard it said. But being fallen into a deep sleep, and as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep, and he fell from the third loft and was taken up dead. Wonderful preaching. And Paul went down and fell on him, and embracing him said, Trouble not yourself for his life is in him. And when he was therefore come up again, he had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till the break of day. So he departed and they brought the young men alive and were not a little comforted. So what happened was Paul was preaching and there was a teenager who was up three stories high, the third loft, they said. And um, maybe it's four stories. I don't know how the whole loft thing works back then. I don't know what they called what, but 
he was up real high, and Paul was long-winded, and he fell asleep while Paul was preaching, and he fell out the window and broke his neck, pretty much what happened. They thought he was dead, and Paul said, no, he's not dead. Um, came up, gave him a good old uh, faithful hug, healed him right there on the spot, and everybody said, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. That being said, I'm not going to be long-winded tonight. Um, this is going to be short and sweet, and I hope nobody falls out of the sound booth and dies. <laughs> They're not sure. It's my sister and brother-in-law, so they might jump out just to spite me. But this, is, this was clearly an unforeseen for circumstance an unforeseen circumstance for Paul, right? He had no idea that this was going to happen. He did not expect it to happen, did not want it to happen, but it did happen. He is out preaching in front of a whole bunch of people, enough to fill several stories of buildings, right? Um, uh, back then, they didn't have churches with stories, right? He's probably preaching in like a town square or market type area, right? Out in the open air, standing up on a box or on a platform of some sort and hollering at everybody, trying to speak loud enough to where everyone can hear. Um, and this kid is sitting up real high in the window of a house or a barn or a stall or whatever in some privately owned building and fell asleep and fell out the window. So this was not a planned circumstance. But God took this circumstance and he reached people with it. Um, everybody in the market square saw him fall, saw that he looked like he was dead, and Paul healed him on the spot, and God was able to reach people. So, the point is, God can use little things and unforeseen things um, to better our lives and to reach people. The little things matter. Does anybody know anything about the construction of the bridge that goes over Niagara Falls? No? So, uh, the way it started is actually pretty interesting. I saw this on a on a, a web page, and I didn't believe it the first time I read it. But um, I did some research today, and I found out that it is very true. There was a 15-year-old. His name was Homan Walsh. Wonderful name. If you're having a kid, Homan. My sister says no. No Homan. Um, on January 30th in 1848, he flew a kite over the river, over Niagara Falls, to the other side. And somebody on the other side caught the kite. And then they tied a string to the kite string, a stronger one, pulled it back across. And then they tied a thin rope and pulled it back across. And then a regular rope, then a thick rope, pulling it back and forth until finally it was a steel cable. And then they were able to use that to carry over other steel cables and then beams. And eventually they built a railroad over Niagara Falls, a suspension bridge that goes all the way across Niagara Falls. It started with a kite string. Some of you are looking at me like, you're crazy. There's no way that's true. But it's true. Okay. Turns out the kid got paid five bucks if he could get his kite over because there was someone on the other side who wanted to build a bridge. He wanted to be the guy who built the first suspension bridge over Niagara Falls. So he offered a group of young men five bucks 
if they could get their kite to the other side. This is 1848. Five bucks is a pretty good chunk of change for a 15-year-old kid. You buy a lot of candy, get into a lot of trouble with five bucks in 1848. But that's how it happened, right? Um, And eventually, you know, now we look at these suspension bridges and how they're built, and it's so complex. But really, it starts with the smallest thing, like little tiny thing, a kite string. And um, I don't know how many of you are here whenever I... I last uh, taught on Sunday, but um, we spoke about mustard seeds and how small they are. Um, if you weren't here, and for the record or recording, um, a mustard seed is the size of the ball in a ballpoint pen, a little tiny black dot. It looks like a grain of sand or, you know, I mean, it's tiny, like an insect egg tiny, but it grows up to 15 feet in diameter. And the Bible says it's the greatest of all herbs and the least of all seeds. God uses the little things. Uh, I want to read from Second Kings chapter 6, starting in verse 1. And it says, And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold, now the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. It's too small. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam. And let us make a place there where we may dwell. Let's go cut down a tree and we'll build a house. And Elisha said, go ye. And one said, be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. He said, come on, let's go, come with us. And he said, all right, I'll come with you. And he went with them. And when they came to Jordan, the river Jordan, they cut down wood. And as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water. And he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place, and he cut down a stick and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. And therefore said he, Take it up to thee. And he put it out his hand, and he took it. Now, the Bible just goes on. Whenever you read this passage of Scripture, it just goes through this. It lists this series of events, and it never pauses to give any explanation about anything. It just says... This is what happened, and then they built, right? So it doesn't, it doesn't cover anything, you know, and this is not a parable that somebody told. This is just a series of events that happened. But if we take an in-depth look at it, right, what really happens there? Prophet goes with the young men. They're going to build a new house for all of them. They're going to go build a lodge or a bunkhouse or a hunting cabin or whatever. So they have more room because where they're staying now is too small. Um, and I don't know how many of you have ever chopped wood with an axe, but I can tell you it's, um, not all that fun and it's a lot of work and, um, chopping down a whole tree is one thing, chopping down that tree and then cutting it to length and the way you want it. And with limbs and stuff, I don't really know how they did all that back in the day with just an axe, because I can tell you now just splitting firewood with an axe now is hard enough work for me. I can barely do it. I guess I'm a wuss or something. I don't know. I want a log splitter. I, I, I cut exactly a quarter of a cord of wood, which is not that much, with an axe. And it was in chunks already. All I had to do was split it. And it took me like, I don't know, like two hours. And I was like sweating like a pig and my back hurt. And I was like, my grandpa was there with me at the house. And he was looking at me and he was like, No, that's not how you do it. Come over here. I'll show you. And then he's splitting it like nothing. Boom, 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 one after the other. And I'm sitting there with one chunk 
looking at him like he's nuts. But it's hard work. It's not, it's not fun. So I'm sure this man knew what he was doing, but on occasion, axes do break. And typically, it's a metal piece that goes on top of a stick, and they drive a wedge in there to keep that metal piece on. And back there, and I'm sure it's a lot more crude than it is now, but um, the axe head popped off the end of the stick and went into the river. So Elisha, he just cut a stick off of the tree that he's working on probably, I'm assuming, threw it in the water, and the iron float just started to float down the river. And so the man reached over and picked it up out of the water like it was nothing. And then the Bible just goes on like that wasn't a miracle or something. To me, that's astonishing because I don't know if you have ever tried to find something at the bottom of a river. Me and my wife, have uh, we vacationed in, uh, in Canyon Lake, San Antonio area, right? And I don't know how many people we saw on the river drop stuff in the water and you drop it it's gone right and there was a few local people there who who worked that area right they serve tourists and stuff and they say yeah my buddy's a scuba diver instructor and on the weekends he goes into the river and he picks up all the stuff that people like leave so we get you know they they lose it in the water so he has like 150 pairs of ray-bans and you know, like expensive sunglasses and ice chests and all kinds of stuff that he just finds in the river that you lose because you drop it and it moves down and it's gone. You know, like you're not ever going to find it. You can walk around all day long. You sludge through the mud. You'll never find it. But this guy just throws, throws a stick in the water and the iron starts to float and he grabs it. And can you believe how much, it, to see that with your own eyes, how much faith that would build in you for the rest of your life to know that your God will do something so small for you, you know, that as to save your borrowed axe head. God uses the small things. Of another very familiar um, passage of Scripture, I'm not even going to bother to read it, but um, everybody here knows the story of David and Goliath. David didn't use... Saul's sword or Saul's armor, nothing mighty, heroic, um, like he was offered, right? It was all at his disposal. He brought down a giant with a river stone, something small. But and to put a disclaimer on all of this, um, small things have a big impact. It's not always for the good, though. Sometimes small things lead to bad things. Sometimes small things lead to big bad things. Just as David felled a giant with a river stone, um, David saw Bathsheba once. One lustful look at somewhere he wasn't supposed to be at the wrong time, whatever. One small look, and it led to the downfall of a king. Um, And the death of a child, death of a man, and... uh, something that plagued David for the rest of his life. Um, And it started with something so small. Song of Solomon 2 and 15 says, Take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines of tender grapes. And Song of Solomon is mostly about marriage, um, but this applies to your marriage as well. I can tell you that for sure, because I am married, and anybody who's been married for more than a day know that there are foxes in marriages right? Little foxes. It's the little things that bug the snot out of your wife. 
promise. Not taking out the trash every day will bug the snot on my wife. So it's something that I've learned. It's a little fox. Don't let it spoil the vine. A lot of good things going on. Don't let the little thing ruin it. Does anybody know what the deadliest animal in the world is? Take a guess. Yell it out. Anything? Mm -hmm. What? A rhino? No, not a rhino. A giraffe. No, not a giraffe. I'll tell you what it's not. It's not a shark. Sharks kill like 10 people a year. Anybody else have a guess? Elephant kills 100 people a year. It's not an elephant. He's got it over here. It's a mosquito. People kill 475,000 people a year. How many people kill other people? Snakes kill 50,000 a year. Mosquitoes kill 725,000 people a year. They are the deadliest animal. And it's, it's for sure. They carry dangerous diseases. And if you're talking about just malaria, malaria kills like 3 million people a year. Not all contracted by mosquitoes, but mosquitoes are for sure responsible for about 725,000 deaths a year. That's a lot. That's a lot of deaths by mosquito. That's a lot of deaths by a little thing, right? So little things have big impacts. Little things are important. We have to pay attention to what? Little things. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 36 says, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. James 3 and 5 says, Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Proverbs 13 and 3 says, He that keepeth his mouth shut keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. Ecclesiastes 5 and 2 says, Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven and thou upon the earth, therefore let thy words be few. Four scriptures out of God knows how many about what your words can do, right? Little words. It's not the big standing speeches that hurt people most of the time. It's the little words that are said in anger or said behind someone's back or said about someone to someone else that really hurt people. We need to be sure about what we say before we say it. We need to make sure that it's the right thing to say. Because it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little things that add up to be important and to make big impacts in lives. So I'm coming very quickly to a close. I told you I wouldn't be very long at all. But one more story for you. One more thing that I researched. The Great Chicago Fire, 1871. So there's a story about how it supposedly happened. I'm sure some of you already know, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Mrs. O'Leary's barn is where it started. A cow kicked over a lamp. Yep, that's it. That's the big whopper for the Great Chicago Fire. A cow kicked over a lamp. 
the lamp broke. It caught a piece of hay on fire. And then the whole barn was up in flames. And then it spread to this building and that building. And it burned the city. Hundreds of people died. Millions of dollars worth of damage from a cow that kicked over a lamp. Everybody has heard the story about, you know, the theory of a butterfly flaps its wings and across the world a hurricane hits, right? I mean, it's the small things that add up. I can't tell you that a butterfly flapping its wings will do that, but I can tell you that if you have ever watched um, a simulation of what uh, tapping your brakes does in traffic, it's insane. It's crazy. You think about you apply one second of tapping your brakes, slowing at five, you know, your your acceleration is negative five miles an hour. You go from 60 to 55 miles per hour. Not that anybody in here probably drives that slow on the highway. But if you do that, they, they most of the time they simulate it in New York, right? Because it's the heaviest congestion. But Houston is the same way. You go downtown Houston, five miles per hour slower for one second, and then you speed back up. The impact can be traced back something like 55 miles worth of traffic just from you tapping your brakes. One second. That's it. And then you can see it for 55 miles back. People slowing down because you decided to tap your brakes because you sneezed or whatever, right? And that's how traffic gets jammed, right? This is why we have traffic. And and it's crazy to think about. And it makes you nuts because you're thinking, who's pressing the brake up there making me stop on my way to work? I know everybody's thinking it because that's what I'm thinking now because I learned this stuff and then it sticks in my head. Like now every time I see a mosquito, I'm going to freak out. Like, you kill too many people, mosquito. I'm going to be insane. I'm going to be walking around like my son, muttering facts to everyone that I know. My son, earlier today, he was telling me something about Legos. I don't know what. He's like, Legos are my most favoritest thing to play with. And this one has three sides, and it's called this and that. And I don't, I don't know what he was saying. But that's what I'm going to end up like because of all this stuff that I researched, just so you know. Not that that has anything to do. I guess it's the little things, right, that make you crazy. But all that being said, we need to pay attention to the little things in our life, right? It's the the slippage of a word or not doing this regularly and when we know we should have. It's only one service that we're missing. No, we don't really need to go prayer meeting tonight. Little things, right? Not a big deal. Once, yeah, it's not a big deal. It's a little thing. Twice it gets bigger, three times, four times. And then before you know it, you're doing things that you never thought you would be doing, right? It's a snowball into an avalanche, right? If you would stand with me, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm closing. If you would, bow your heads and let's pray very quickly to... Ask God to help us watch out for the little things. Lord, we ask you to reach down in this place. Lord, speak to our hearts and speak to our minds. And we ask you, Lord, to help us to carry your word with us wherever we go this week. Lord, watch us and keep us safe from this place. And we ask you, Lord, to help us to review the little things in our life. Lord, to help us to be mindful of the things that we let slip by. And be mindful of the words we say. Lord, and also help us to know the kind of impact we can make in someone's life with just a small word. Lord, for good or for evil, we ask you 
in your wonderful name to be with us from this place. In Jesus' name, you're dismissed in the fear of the Lord.